Hello and welcome to the Forex Exchange Show. I am your host Rob, and joining me today is my good friend Ben. Hello, Ben. Howdy doody. Howdy doody. And my other absentee of last podcast, Trexy. How are you doing, Trexy? Hi, how's it going? We were both absent. We had to let Ben speak in our stead, and he did a great job. Actually, he sat down with Eric. Right, his name is Eric Tortuga Power, and. Kirkus and they sat down and spoke about some games and it was a fun little episode so thanks for filling in for us ben yeah no worries it was it was cool because we got to talk about some stuff that we probably wouldn't have normally spoken about i actually from that got the uh, idea to actually try aurora forex now so um, after eric was talking about it and got me kind of excited and i i, I actually i did have a look at it the other day and <laughs> i was like right i need a tutorial for this one and then i couldn't really find a half decent one online and then just stared at the spreadsheet for a couple of hours and i'm like nah. <laughs> i know that quill 18 did a tutorial you may want to check his out i did start watching it it is really cool i, I tell you what it is in the daytime i've got a lot of stuff going on at the moment so when i actually come to do stuff like this I need to be on it and I can just about play Shadow Empire because um, that, that's pretty complicated but Aurora Forex is on it's just a little bit more investment of <laughs> I don't know I just need to turn up the autism dial for that and I don't have the energy for it in the evenings, really, so. <laughs> yeah I feel like you have to be a special certain type of intelligence to, to enjoy that I like I've watched it I'm like wow cool that looks nothing like something I'd ever enjoy so I guess I'm just not smart enough for it <laughs> But hey, there's a lot of things we can, we want to talk. Well, you know, actually, we'll go ahead and, and say now that today's episode is going to be a, a deep dive into Fallen Enchantress Legendary Heroes, a game that the three of us have long waxed poetic about, and we want to talk a little bit about it. But before we do that, I do want to go over some news items in the way of just a quick note about some patches. We had Planetfall just did a little quick update to the Diplodocus. I guess that's how you pronounce it. Never said that dinosaur's name out loud. Diplodocus and its updates. It has like a quick hotfix patch for it. You know, just regular stuff. So that was cool. And I'm glad that they're still working on that. I'm really excited because I know that they still have one more expansion planned. And I'm I'm learning a little bit more about it. And I'm not allowed to talk about it. But it's, it's going to be really cool. I think people are going to be really excited about it. And then we also have... AI War 2 with an expansion, sorry, <laughs> an expansion, man, my brain is somewhere else. AI War 2 with another patch, because he keeps putting patches out like every week. Actually, he, he took a little hiatus there for a little while. He got married, and I think he's like stepped back just a little bit on the pace of, of patches, because I think they're working on another DLC. But there's a new patch. It does some stuff. Go check it out. And then last but not least, I wanted to bring up a game called Last Regiment, which is coming out on June 15th. And it is what is described as an epic simultaneous turn-based combat game with a fusion of cards and map-based strategy. We're going to check it out because the developers have reached out to us a few times and have said, hey, this is a game you guys might be interested in. You should check it out. So we're going to check it out. And if it's something we like, we will go ahead and maybe post a video or two and give it the old Explominate treatment. Speaking of Explominate treatment, we're going to announce today that we have also decided to broaden our horizons and with the very clear overlap of tactics games and Forex, we've decided to make tactics games part of our like focus, our emphasis. So one of the guys in our Discord approached me and said, hey, I'm a huge tactics games fan. I would love to start doing some reviews for you. And I thought, wow, you know what? 
there is a lot of overlap. There's a lot of people that always like kind of, I mean, we, we had Nate here who would wax poetic about XCOM 2 constantly. And there have been a lot of good uh, tactics games if Gears Tactics, uh, XCOM 2, XCOM Chimera Squad, and this troubleshooter game that's getting a lot of rave reviews on on Steam. And I was like, you know what, maybe it's time that we kind of broaden that and, and allowed some of these guys that really have a big passion for tactics games to write about them and do stuff for the site. So we are now kind of rebranded. You can look at our site now. It says Forex and Tactics Games and stuff like that. So yeah, look forward to Tactics Games reviews, including one of those one of those Tactics Games I just I just mentioned. We'll have a full review very shortly by this one gentleman that's going to start doing reviews for us. I don't know what his real name is, but he goes by Paradigm Shift on Discord. And yeah, I think that's pretty much all the housekeeping until we start going into our Fallen Enchanters Legendary Heroes. Did I miss anything, guys? Does anything else pop up within the last week or two? I just wanted to say that um, the Forex genre seems to cross over quite well with tactics games anyway. And um, you just mentioned as part of the news... Age of Wonders Planetfall, but that game's got a really... I mean, it's a 4X game, really, but it's got a really, really good tactical combat system in it that I think it rivals some of the better tactics games with regards to how that plays out. It's really good fun. Uh, Falling Chartress also has quite a good tactical combat layer to it, so oh, yeah. I guess we'll get onto that in a second. Yes, sir. It really does, yeah. And with that, let's go ahead and talk about Fallen Enchantress Legendary Heroes. So this is a game that was an evolution of two previous games, right? So Fallen Enchantress Legendary Heroes had its like its birth, I guess you could say, with Elemental War of Magic, which was, by all accounts, an awful game. And it's a game that I actually I bought in on really early. I bought in and and, and paid for like the hundred and something dollar. Maybe it was a hundred dollar collector's edition. I have the box. I even had Brad Wardell sign it when I met him. <laughs> <laughs> and nothing like asking a guy to sign one of his least favorite games that he ever created but <laughs> yeah it's it's a really cool like box it's very it's it's you know a memento of a, a time where stardock kind of dropped the ball and elemental war of magic was meant to kind of like revive the fantasy 4x genre because it had kind of died off after master of magic and it really failed in a lot of ways but the coolest thing ab- about it i believe is that Instead of saying, well, screw it, this was an awful mess, we should move on, Stardock was like, oh, crap, Like, how can we fix this? How can we redeem ourselves? And with that, Brad Wardell said, we're going to fix this, and we're going to allow those that purchase War of Magic up until a point. It was like, you know, it may have come out in like a May, May time frame, and until like August. If you bought it before August, we are going to give you the next two expansions for free. And those two expansions end up being Fallen Enchantress, and then Fallen Enchantress Legendary Heroes. And we're here to talk about Fallen Enchantress Legendary Heroes, which was the final iteration of this War of Magic elemental debacle. And what things about that game stood out to you guys? Like what makes Fallen Enchantress Legendary Heroes a game you guys still fondly remember? 
I actually came into it from the first version of the Full Enchantress, which I'm I'm almost sure I got Legendary Heroes for free or at least discounted as well. But I think the first thing that drew me to it really was the tactical combat side of it. I really enjoyed that. Um, <clears throat> the way it plays is you can kind of play it as fast or as slow as you like, which I really enjoy. So battles where you don't really need to think much about it. you can sort of just rush through and um, ones where you got to do a bit more planning you can sort of sit back so it's, it's turn-based combat basically so but you can have i think you can up the speed of the combat so it actually executes the movements really quick so i really enjoyed that part of it yeah i mean i'm going to say something else for what drew me to it but I, just to pick up what Drexy's saying the tactical combat in in fallen enchantress was really well designed it's one of the um the best tactical combats in forex games that doesn't get in the way of the strategic side because as Drexy says it plays really quickly if you want it to they they kind of made some designed uh, design decisions that you know to kind of compromise on certain areas so for example there's sort of stuff in there with, that you might expect to be in there like there's no range on any of your ranged units so you can fire right across the map and you know it, there's no kind of height bonuses or terrain doesn't really make any difference and they they did that deliberately because they wanted it to play quickly and i i think it's really successful in that regard because the nuance in the game in or you know the, the detail um and the fun really comes from the combinations of spells and abilities that you have and they there's some really interesting combinations that you can come up with and it's there's a lot of spells in there and there's a lot of different monsters and so that yeah the tactical combat is really really good um what attracted me to the game was it it pretty much was um it's one of the better master of magic kind of copy games i guess you know one of the master magic clones it uh, along with age of wonders 3 I, I think i came across those two games around the same kind of time and i know age of wonders 3 came out loads afterwards but fallen Ench i mean they're both played very differently but fallen enchantress is more of a it's more of a classic 4x i think than than age of wonders 3 and it doesn't the tactical combat isn't quite as good i don't think but it's it's different and it play it plays much much quicker than age of wonders 3 i personally like the tactical combat way more in Fallen Enchantress simply because the tactical combat in Age of Wonders 3 is more of a focus and it's way slower. Sometimes battles can go on to way too long for my liking. Very true. Yeah, and that was something that I always appreciated too because I feel like Fallen Enchantress and Legendary Heroes both had such an emphasis, a great emphasis on the actual 4X elements of the game. And, and and still manage to make the tactical combat fun and engaging and also important while making sure that the focus remained on the grander empire building portion of the Forex game. And that was something that I really appreciated. So I really liked. And, you know, it was something, there was something about Fallen Enchantress Legendary Heroes that, that really stood out to me too. And it was that some of the heroes ended up getting like very RPG you you could get really like deep into the grass of how you wanted to to develop your characters here, right? So like the thing that really I I appreciated was that like there were many different classes. I think there was five or six different classes, but each of those classes had, you know, a very different path that you could take with them. And you could make them, you know, kind of fit whatever cast, whatever, you know, uh, niche that you needed them to fit. And I really like that about that game. And that was the, the main focus, I think, of Legendary Heroes. Like, once they got Fallen Enchantress in, and they, like, you know, I, I do want to talk about the other big thing that I really liked about the games in general here in a second. But 
you know, once they got the Fallen Enchantress like base game figured out, they also, you know, then they went into the characters and and how they made these heroes, which were the focus of Legendary Heroes, you know, fun and engaging. And they also did a great job there too of making the heroes fun to deal with, fun to, you know, get down and and really develop the right way without making them feel like they took away from the game too much. Oh yeah, that's I tell you. <laughs> Didn't forgot to mention that. Yeah, the heroes is actually one of the best part of the game. Which, yeah, like you said, it's very much RPG, and there's a lot of different builds and different paths you can take with the heroes. And the actual follow-up game, Sorcerer King, I think took that even further, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, I mean, you have these five different classes, and like Rob said, that you can take them in so many different directions. Like, for example. Um, you could like build a standard mage if you wanted, or you could kind of build a, a summoner mage that would be more, you know, to do with create uh, summoning different characters. And you know, they could be summoned on the tactical map, or you could be summoned on the strategic map to follow you around to to play, you know, in the tactical game. Or you could go, um, you know, okay, I want to be really have all my spells really, really powerful. Or you could split it up so that you had all these different kind of spell because there's different spell books in the game, isn't there? Very much like Master of Magic, and you can go in different directions with that. The whole magic system in in Fallen Enchantress is really good fun as well. Um, and very much like in Age of Wonders three, there's you know there's quite a lot of um, over you know like the Overland strategic map spells that you could cast on your on your cities to give them certain perks and that kind of stuff. So yeah, I really like that man. It was. Another thing about Fallen Enchantress, that this is the thing that, that really kind of let, that I thought was exciting about it was it's got this kind of post, post-apocalyptic kind of vibe and there, it, you really feel like you're exploring a really broken kind of damaged world and the quest system in it's actually quite good fun. The writing in the quest is pretty good. There's quite a lot of different quests. They don't really, you know, you, you do come, you, if you play the game a lot, you will, they will repeat, but there's quite a few in there. So there's so much fun to be had at the start of the game whilst you're building up all your, you know, your cities and, you know, you're doing the whole sending settlers out and uh, that kind of thing. But you're also taming this wild land around you and some of the monsters that you come up against are pretty epic. Yeah, and that was something I was going to mention is that part of the game that I liked probably the most was the, like, the PvE element, you know, like the player versus environment element to the game that I felt really stood apart from nearly almost any 4X game because I felt like just as much as I was competing against these rival factions, when I really liked the idea of the factions too. They, And I know that they took some inspiration from, believe it or not, they took it from the Game of Thrones series, which back then had only just begun and, you know, it's still going and it's never going to be finished when it comes to writing. But, you know, I know Brad Wardell and some of the guys that were making this were like, I really like the idea of having these like human factions that you know, all had, you know, somewhat mythological characteristics, but, you know, we're all kind of like vying for, you know, the land and stuff like that. But getting back to what I was pointing at is that, you know, I really liked the player versus environment element because there was like this quest line, right? And and part of the way you could actually beat the game is by going through that quest line and ultimately defeating some of these, these big bads, right? Like they were like sections of the map where, these giant monsters resided and you could take them out and gain giants like just incredible amounts of spoils and great weapons and stuff like that and you know that, that that element was really cool because you know it gave you not only something to work with when it came to the 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 rival factions and you know your ability to take them on but also like you know building your party up to take on that 
I forgot their names were like, there were some really the Ajax or something like that, Apex or something like that. There was the huge worm thing, the sandworm, and then there was a couple dragons and stuff like that. And huge elementals that you could take on that, you know, were significant and difficult and the rewards were just as great. I guess maybe we'll talk about it at some point, but this game is actually pretty hard. And right from the start, you can run into uh, units that have super super overpowered compared to you at the start which <laughs> i actually quite enjoy with this game it's like you don't really see that in much other games where you know you start the game and suddenly you run into like a group of monsters that would just totally flatten your party and ruin your whole game yeah there's like massive dragons and things just wandering around and like if you get if you get an unlucky spawn they can sometimes be wandering around literally like five or six tiles away from your starting area <laughs> so you know it was um it can be quite hairy at the start but usually as rob was saying there's these kind of areas that are delineated i can't i forget the name for them now but they might be like is it like wastelands or something like this like, i think they were uh, wildlands i, th- I want to say they're wildlands but that, i might it. be wrong You'd, i think that's it i think it's the wildlands and there's different themes to them and each one of them's got like a bit of a story behind it and quests um kind of like quests leading up to it is that right and uh, i don't think i've ever completed the game doing that you know doing the i don't remember what it's called now is it the quest of mastery i know it's the spell of mastery but anyway uh yeah there's all these there's all these crazy monsters and there's the place is absolutely chock full of ruins and things that you can explore um so it's got a real kind of like a Dungeons and Dragons kind of vibe, you know, like a classic RPG vibe to it as well. And, you know, you can develop your characters, doing, get get all these different spells, meet these characters that come up in the quests. So there's quite a lot of quests where you defeat something and you'll get like a, you know, like a unit to, to take around with you. Um, so there's loads of these surprising things that can happen to you, you know, like these, some quest, something will happen, some, some quest will come up where it'll be like, here's a giant skeleton that's walking around. And if you defeat it, you'll, you'll end up getting um, some special unit that you can then use against your enemies. And all of this to the background of like a really, really good Forex game too. Yeah. And I think that's exactly what I was about to say is that I think that we're, we're almost forgetting the Forex game because there was this like cool RPG game, you know, RPG tactics game that was, you know, within a 4X game that you are also playing. And also, you know, it was also really good. And some things that I really enjoyed about it were that, like, you know, with the city management, you were building horizontally before building horizontally was cool, right? You were placing your buildings individually and in a way that you wanted to, like, and it was cool to see because if you zoomed in real quick, you could see, like, real into the city, you could see, like, little people walking around and, you know, participating in, in whatever you know, job or whatever that it was required from that building you just built. And that, that was just a really cool way of, of, of representing larger cities, right? The larger the city got, the bigger it got, the more horizontal it got. And, you know, there was concerns and frustrations over snaking, which basically was like that you would build your cities in ways that you could reach resources. So they, they kind of would sometimes be like this long line of, <laughs> of buildings, but you know, it was just a really cool way to do it. And, and the rest of it too, like you had your your standard fare of diplomacy, but it always felt you know kind of tense. And and there were aggressive factions that were like the uh, Umbra, I think they were called Umbral. Um, but you know there were there were factions within this game that were they were you know maybe even programmed to be a little bit more aggressive than others, and they, that was part of like their backstory too. And and we can get into the backstory well. <laughs> There's just so much to talk about, but you know the the forex game itself was actually really good and. 
you know, and one thing I want to get into before we move on to another subject or the next person speaks is that I also really appreciate what they did to minimize city spamming. And, and back then, the idea of figuring out how to minimize city, city spamming wasn't really addressed because there were so many games that weren't really doing anything about it. And, you know, even Civ Five at that time wasn't doing anything to do to, to, to mitigate city spam. But Fallen Enchantress Legendary Heroes required you to find these like magical spots where there were food and there was mana. And that was the only place that you could build a, a, a city. And that had a lot to do with like that post-apocalyptic backdrop that they had, had already set in because, you know, there was only certain spots that were like capable of, of, you know, sustaining life and sustaining like an actual city. And I thought that was really great. It was something that made me feel, it was really fun to find those. Right. And, you know, we'll get into the exploration here in a second. Cause I think the exploration was really well done too. But it was a really fun part of exploration to find those sites and to know that that was probably like where you were going to like rush your sailor to because they were they were really few and far between. Yeah, that's another example of, you know, they, they really thought carefully about the game design, I think, in Fallen Enchantress. You can tell that they looked at other 4X games and tried to figure out how they could get around some of the the classic issues that 4X games have. Like, let's look at the... I mean, you've talked about the city spam. Yeah, you know, the way they, they they approached city spam was really good. And they kind of made it interesting too because you would get some choice over to, where to you know, specifically where to put your city within, you know, those five or six, you know, between somewhere between three and six squares that would actually be settleable. And, you know, it, you know, it would be a... You would be balancing it between, okay, do I want more production or do I want more growth in this city or do I want more mana, you know, some more of the essence slots. Uh, so there was there was some sort of, de- you know, decision-making with regards to where you put it specifically. But the diplomacy was another area where they they really, you could tell that they really wanted to, to kind of get around that diplomacy spam thing that you get with, you know, we used to get with 4X games where you could just sort of cheese the AI into getting... Let's say you've got a really strong neighbor. You you just give it loads of gifts and make him like you, and then you put the war off until the time that's convenient for you, and then you go and you know you crush him. And that's a real bad problem in forex, and that's one of the reasons why diplomacy just generally doesn't work very well. In Fallen Enchantress, it seems better. It's not perfect, but they had this kind of currency system where there's three different branches on the tech tree, for example. Let's say that you'd, you'd, you'd gone quite far down the magic side. Well, you want something from one of your neighbors. You can you can trade a sort of currency, which is like this you know, research currency. And you say, I'm going to give you 100 points from my magic research. In return, you're going to give me you know, X, Y, and Z. And it kind of made the, diplom- uh, the diplomatic thing a little bit better. It, it just seemed to be, rather than, you know, you get this kind of tech brokering that you do in other games where you, you know, the AI, it learns one of your techs and then it instantly spreads it around like all the other AI, um, you know, all the other players. And Fallen Enchantress got around that in a really neat way. So, yeah, we're just talking about several examples here of, of really like, quite neat game design um, choices that they use to try to, to try to you know to try to get around some of these problems that these games sometimes have yeah not to mention if you want to go back and like pull back all the way to like the beginning of the game right where you are just started off like first of all we can talk about the factions real quick and i do think they were asymmetric enough to be interesting so you know you if you chose of there was like your good factions the factions that were like you know quote unquote on the light side and then you had your factions that were like kind of like darker and clearly went about their ways and try to obtain their goals by by darker means or more like you know uh, shady means 
But then you get into the game and with the exploration, and I mentioned this, you know, yeah, empires and kingdoms, right? So your empires were just a little bit more, I think their empires ones were like the little shadier ones, right? And the kingdoms were, you know, they were a little bit more rainbows and sunshine and, and you know, friendlier, I guess you could say. But with that, you get into the game and, and right off the bat, the exploration of this game was, was top notch, right? You know, you mentioned these relics, these huts and stuff that you could go through and you know, a lot of times they were providing you with cool stuff, but other times you were, you know, faced with maybe an attack by a group of monsters and you would fight them off and then you'd gain some really cool item, you know, and, and there were also like the occasional encounters where you would, you would land a new mount, which I thought was super cool. Like, you know, you, there were, <laughs> there's some hidden mounts in this game that people don't get very often, you know, uh, I don't remember any of them right now, but you know, I remember finding a couple of these mounts that you would have to you just have to be lucky, right? You'd have to find the right encounter at the right relic and you'd have to, you know, take out whatever it was and then you'd gain like a lizard mount or a, even a dragon mount. And they were very rare, but they were they were out there. And, you know, there was also rare weapons and stuff like that. And all, with all that, you you were, you know, it was just, it really added to the exploration, right? Because, you know, with with that, with the the relic sites and then with the, the colonization spots and then also these wildlands and, these giant monsters that you knew you weren't capable of beating yet, but you knew probably had some really good gold or really good rewards. I mean, there was just so much to the exploration of that game that made me feel like instantly into this game. And, and the great part about it was that it, because there was that procedural generation and, and a lot of that was, you know, was different and new every time you played the game that it, it provided a lot of replayability that I just, I don't think we've really seen since I, I'm not going to, I'm not trying to like be hyperbolic here, but it's really, it was on a different level and I, I could keep going. I really could. It, there's just so much about the stuff that you could find while exploring and Fallen Enchantress Legendary Heroes that, that really added to the excitement of that game. Yeah, the um, exploration part of the game is, I know we've been going way into like the tactics and the RPG elements, but the exploration is really good in this game. Uh, like you said, like finding little goody goody uh like the little treasures or you go into sort of a uh, tavern or something and you get the little rpg quests in there or you might get attacked it's it's just so good there's so much i don't think i can think of another game that has such a good exploration to it again it, it goes back to master of magic there was a little bit of that in master of magic but it was a much more basic game in that respect and it was much more like civilization with some you know with a little bit of ruin searching going on and some tactical combat to back that up Age of Wonders 3 and Fallen Enchantress both kind of, they both expanded on that to to kind of flesh out that kind of RPG side. But um, with regards to exploration itself, Fallen Enchantress is by miles the best. It's, it's just really, like you say, there's so much, there's so many different things to to find in, in and amongst that game. The I want to talk a little bit about the way that you can create your own units as well. Now, this was something that I think I first saw that in Alpha Centauri. Um, and it, Alpha Centauri did it, okay but the the unit customization in fallen enchantress is awesome it's still great to this day you can create some quite unbalanced units actually but there's quite a different variety of um of, of things that you can do with it like you can you can chain you know you, you can obviously add different types of armor you know different types of weapons you can add magic items to them all of which relatively increase different uh, the the cost of the unit whether it's it's just normal in the amount of gold that it or uh, I can't remember what the production resource 
um, currency is, but you know, it takes more gold to make essentially. Or you might have to add metal, or you might have to add crystal if it was if it had like magic items. Um, but you could also really go into just how like the details of how the units looked. This was part of the design. Uh, the design goal of the original elemental was that i think they really wanted to go to town on the on how detailed and customizable the game was um and i didn't play the original elemental but it sounded like you know you could kind of zoom right into the into the little towns that you've created and see people moving around and doing stuff and there was a little bit of that in fallen enchantress but but with the unit design particularly you could change the characters cut hair color their hairstyles you know what they what clothes they were wearing whether they were male or female what they were riding on and then you could give them skills like they were like they were you know kind of player characters in an rpg and this is just your basic like you know army units your grunt units and they could level up themselves and you could you could iterate on those designs it was really really quite advanced for i mean what the fallen enchantress you know legendary heroes came out in 2012 i think and there hasn't really been any games that have done a really good unit design like that i don't think endless legend was quite as interesting don't get me wrong endless legends unit design is kind of interesting but it's it's not quite as good as fallen enchantress as one i don't think yeah that's the other thing even like your basic units because they've got levels to them it's not like in civ where okay your certain soldier or whatever dies then you can just build another one you kind of come attached and you don't want certain units to die because you know if you can get them to a higher level they will actually be really strong so, yeah, it just adds another element to the game. Yeah, and I think that's part of the thing that really, I mean, like, that that was, like, we we're talking about the exploration stuff and all that stuff, and, and, and I think that was also what added to the excitement of exploration. I keep coming back to that, and, and it's, it's because it's another good point, but, you know, when you were out there exploring stuff and finding stuff, you were finding items, you were finding weapons, you were finding armor and stuff that you could add to your units, to your heroes, to, you know, and sometimes you were finding weapons that like maybe, you know, I'm not, I'm just going to throw numbers out and they're arbitrary, but you know, you might have found a sword that has plus 18 to attack, you know, relatively early in the game. And then all of a sudden one of your units is just super powerful. And you know, that kind of stuff really was just super fun to me because you know, there, there wasn't a balance to that stuff. There was no balance. There was this ability to get a really good RNG role and, and find a weapon that just would help out really early in the game. And, you know, and, and if you didn't have unit customization the way it did in Fallen Enchantress, then you wouldn't have had moments like that where you were able to pick up that sword and, and go around and start beating the shit out of everything that you shouldn't have been able to. Well, and this is another thing. I think Ben was talking about a bit about unbalanced gameplay, especially in single player on the Discord the other day. I I think a lot of games nowadays are too focused on multiplayer and they sort of overbalance things. But I find these older games like this game where you get this really, really great bit of a, like a sword or whatever. And then suddenly, yeah, your unit becomes a absolutely badass. And um, it's just something you don't see in more modern games as well. No, that's right. And one of the strengths of the game is that, you know, because you can, you can get that situation with the AI as well. The AI will, will, it might just create a certain type of unit because the AI can also, can also, develop its own unit types right so you will see them fielding something that you might not be ready to you know you might not be able to defeat for example is it the gildan one of one of the factions anyway they they really overused armor so they had they got like cheaper armor units and they got access to to heavier armor earlier on in the game they were really hard to to, to fight against but if you use spears against them the spears gave you like a 33 percent 
um, uh, armor piercing, I think. So the spears weren't that great a weapon, actually, um, unless you were fighting against armor, in which case they were absolutely essential. So everything had a you know had a counter. Everything had a had a point. It wasn't particularly well balanced. But like yeah, like I was saying, uh, like Drexy was saying, I don't really like balance in single player games anywhere. I think I think if the games are slightly if, you know if, if the games are slightly unbalanced, it it provides room for the player to be able to challenge himself or or herself or you know make things a little bit easier by playing an easier faction or more difficult by playing a very very weak faction. And Fallen Enchantress definitely allowed you to do that because. Some of the factions were quite challenging to play. Is it? I think it might be Tarn. Is that Tarn or Tanis or something like this? It was one of the um, one of the kingdom, yeah, one of the kingdom factions where they got a bonus if you fielded armies of three people or less, or three units or less, which was quite hard to actually play with. But the bonus was quite significant, so they got big initiative um, uh, bonuses. I think so. Basically, you'd you'd have less units, but they'd move more often. Um, so you had to kind of try and keep them alive. So yeah, it's just the, the balance. There were balance issues in it, but I think they made the game more interesting. It wasn't a perfect game, though, man. And like you know, I think it's worth talking about some of the some of the problems that the game had as well. Yeah, and I'll just say something to your point real quick, and then yeah, I think we could talk about the jankiness and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, I, I believe there was a, a cracks unit, and and it was like a berserker or something like that. And I remember being, I remember this one game in particular where I, I felt like I was doing pretty well, and the cracks, I believe it's the cracks they developed this like berserker unit which was a very powerful unit and they were just fielding like massive amounts of these things and i end up losing the game that i was way ahead on i mean i remember i had like six or seven cities to their like two or three and they were able to come back and start taking my cities one by one because they had these powerfully these hugely powerful units that I just couldn't do anything with. They had, you know, 40 HP to my, you know, 10 or 11, and their armor was significant. And, I, you know, I just remember being like, wow, like this, this is imbalanced. It's unbalanced as hell. And he, I love it. It was great. It was fun to be beaten by an unbalanced AI. Right. And this is one of the reasons why I enjoy this game so much is because it's, actually a really hard game to play and i personally would say i'm not very good at it but that's kind of what i enjoyed a lot about it because yeah you could totally be sometimes you just sort of in forest games you get to a certain power point and you're just like yeah i'm just gonna roll over everything not with this game not with this game it always come up with something that would uh would uh do me over in my game i think the difficulty could be the reason why this game wasn't as popular as it should be what do you guys think um i think part of the reason why look it's got a bit of a checkered past and you know the previous games were you know they didn't do as well as they people were hoping the game is still buggy even eight years after it was released and stardock do periodically update it but i don't get any problems with it now i don't uh, but there are people i i actually i i follow the uh, the Steam group on for, for Fallen Enchantress, so I see pretty much every post that people put up there, and I because I, I mean, I'm I'm really interested in the game, and people are still complaining about crashes and you know like really bad performance, and I think it's just it's it's a relic of the engine that they built the game on. It was it was just it's taken a lot of work to update it to where it is now, and even now it's still not working properly, I guess. So that's part of the problem um i think the other some of the other issues with fallen enchantress are 
it is hard and the that issue that rob was talking about where you know you'd be you think you're winning and then all of a sudden the uh, the enemy will but one of the ai will turn up and its units are far in advance of yours that's happened to me loads and i like that by the way because it means that you you know you're because you've got this kind of rpg element where you you know you're sort of exploring the lands and the pve thing that rob was talking about um you can't dilly dally with that you do have to do that um and you you have to pay close attention to the 4x game and your eight and your ally, uh, your opponents because if you don't they will rock up um on your war you know on your borders suddenly declare war and then hit you with these really strong units so it's um yeah the difficulty is quite it can be quite significant as well yeah to Drexy's point and to kind of belabor the point that ben made already I think that the reason why it wasn't quite as popular as it could have been is that, you know, at this point, by the time that Elemental, I'm sorry, by the time Fallen Enchantress Legendary Heroes came out, Elemental was synonymous with just awful, right? Like people far and wide, I mean, even people who didn't even know who who Starduck were knew about Elemental and how awful the game was and just, you know there was some fatigue there at that point. You know, they'd seen Elemental come out and it sucked. And then they'd seen Fallen Enchantress, the original, and they'd seen, you know, I would say a good game, but not a great game come from that. And by the time Legendary Heroes came out, I think a lot of people were ready to move on and had moved on and weren't ready to, or weren't able and willing to see just how good the game was. And, 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 that is, is compounded by the fact that it was still janky, right? There was still weird bugs. There was, I mean, crashes. I remember there were plenty of times where like units just would disappear. There was some weird map issues. Uh, the sound would occasionally just completely die off. I mean, the game was buggy as hell. I'm not going to lie. And I know that even in their latest update, which was like 2.51, they were still fixing bugs like four, five years, six years later. I mean, that's how many bugs there were, but and I and I, I I would agree that it was probably a a, a result of, of the engine that they'd built supposedly for from scratch for you know these games and just you know kind of a legacy issue right like there was just so many bugs so many things that were tied to the the building and the creation of this engine that they used that that made it for made it difficult for them to find all the bugs and squash them so that being said I mean this is one of those games where you look back on and you're like, wow, yeah, okay. It was pretty ugly. Like, it, I mean, it wasn't ugly by any means, right? It wasn't, but it just wasn't the prettiest game you'd ever seen in your whole life. And it was also, you know, it was janky. It was a bit buggy. It was a bit uh, unpolished. But if you could see past that and you could really get into it, there was just so much to like about this game. And, you know, I know you guys have mentioned it before, but I mean, the idea that like you could be like at the top of the game, right? Well, you know, like feeling really good about yourself. You have a couple good armies, uh, you know, one in particular is just really powerful. And, you know, I remember one game in particular where I was attacked by an elemental or one of those super beasts or something. And I had what I thought was like the perfect army and it was crushed. It was completely destroyed by this super army. And then all of a sudden I was at the bottom of the totem pole and you know, I, I I like those drastic pendulum swings when it comes to power, and that was what something that was something that Fallen Enchantress brought that very few games have brought since. You know, Fallen Enchantress is actually quite popular, and I and I know this because if you look if you go through forums and you talk to people about, you know, if you ask people about the game, more often than not, they'll either say one or two things: "That's a great game, I really love it, and I still play it occasionally," or it doesn't work it's broken and it's buggy 
yeah, that's the two. They're, they're, those are the two sort of default settings that people seem to have. Um, it's talking about the uh, the graphics. I think the graphics on the map are really good. I think the city graphics look really good. It still looks good today. The um, the you know the the actual the actual campaign map graphics. I really love the um, the cloth map as well. When you when you zoom out far enough, and it's got like this kind of strategic map where everything is abstracted into little gra- into you know like a like a, a cloth map. That looks great. I, that still looks cool now. The, the where the graphics look bad are the 3D models that the game uses to to represent the you know your the all the characters and they are very very you know they are very very basic but i didn't like them when i first when i first got it i was like oh this looks kind of crappy bearing in mind that i think i i first came across this game about three years ago so i was it was well after it was you know well played and gone for most people and it was and i'd got it around the same kind of time as i'd got age of wonders 3 and the graphics in age of wonders 3 by comparison which is amazing you know there's just no comparing the two but they there was like five years between the release of the two games or four years or something so well anyway the i don't think the graphics are that bad i want to say something about the music the music is really good in fallen enchantress i know the sound effects are a little bit you know kind of be a bit generic but the the music actually sets the tone for the game really really well and i don't i was i, I just played it for about uh, about half an hour tonight before we went on and um, it just reminded me like it really the whole game sets a tone and it sets that kind of <clears throat> rpg exploration kind of vibe to it it's got it's just i don't know it's just really cool it's it's got a really it's just got a really interesting vibe and a feel to it the whole game and it it, it gels really well i think Whoever um, or the guys that designed that, they knew very, they knew very well. They had a very careful idea or a very precise idea of what kind of vibe that they were going for, and you, and it really is really clear. You can really tell when you play it. The, the music's quite relaxing, you know, and it's it's got that kind of medieval kind of chilled out vibe to it. And, uh, I don't know. It's just great, man. It's, I, I could wax lyrical about Fallen Enchantress for ages because it's just such a great game in so many ways. You know, there's so many games that I find. Like I'm, I'm actually surprised by the mod support that some games get, and then then there's games like Fallen Enchantress Legendary Heroes where I'm actually really surprised that they didn't get any mods. Like there are mods for this game, and one of them is big. I think it's you know Children of the Storm, which adds a bunch of races and some new items and stuff like that, and you know that it's pretty cool. But there was never any like not, maybe even overhauls like. I would I would have loved to have seen some like modernization brought to it through mods that just never happened, right? And you know maybe someone could have done the human models better, but you know that's the crazy thing. And and you mentioned that, and I remember reading, and I remember thinking that when I was playing it when it was first out, is that the human models were just god awful, but the monsters and the other stuff were actually really well done. And it's weird to me when I see a screenshot of like a skeleton and a human being, and I I think the skeleton looks pretty decent and the human looks like, I don't know, like a scarecrow that he threw some armor on and put on a battlefield. You know, it was just, it was so weird to see. And maybe it's because the artist just couldn't do humans very well. But yeah, it's... It's just a game that I felt was ripe for modding, like a big mod scene. And it would lo- I would have loved to have seen the level of mod, you know, support from 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 groups like the Black Box mod de- developer group from Star Drive 1 kind of attach itself to Fallen Enchantress and, and bring life to it in the way that they brought life into Star Drive 1. I mean... I just fear that we're never going to see. I don't. I don't. I doubt seriously we're ever going to see a Fallen Enchantress, you know, Legendary Heroes two or whatever it is that would be next because Sorcerer King and its sequel did so poorly. I don't think that we're ever going to see anything. But you know, 
I, I just wish that maybe one day we'll see someone, you know, revive it through a really good mod. I'd like to see that. Uh, I, why, one thing about I'll say about Fallen Enchantress is, and I played it a fair amount. I think I've, I don't know, I've, I, I'm looking at Steam now and it's saying I've got 83 hours in it and I know that that's not true because I I, ha- I actually had a <laughs> I had a, um, a different copy of it, shall I say, for a, for a good 40 hours of it before I actually bought it. And, Pirate! I mean, <clears throat> uh, 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 um, and I still can't tell if the AI is any good or not And because it, sometimes it seems like it is and other times, I've played it through other times where it just seems brain dead. So, uh, you know, and even in 83 hours, I still can't actually tell if it's, if the game is, you know, if the AI plays the game well or not. What do you guys think there? That's a great point. And I think it's all about the RNG that they got to, like, like I mentioned before, like sometimes they were just lucky enough to find those swords or to just make the right decisions that brought them to an elite unit that they were able to mass produce. Like you're right. There, there were times where I would feel like I could raffle stomp, you know, like all of them. And then there were times where I was halfway through a game thinking I was about to do that and I would get annihilated. And I, it didn't feel like it was like thoughtful decisions on the AI's part. I think it was more of just RNG working on their behalf and some, some good luck in other ways too. With all that being said though, I think that, you know, it's, it's strange to me that in retrospect, it's a game that a lot of people seem to like more than when it was actually, uh, you know, like new and, and the hot thing where it could have been something people provided a lot of support to. There wasn't, there just wasn't that point. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like you guys both, I mean, it sounds like you Drexy were around when it was first out. And I think you could probably attest to this. There just wasn't much talk about it when it first came out. No, no, no. It's, it's, I've, yeah. Okay. We've gone through the troubles, but, I think is a lot better game than a lot of people. Well, yeah, like Ben said, there are people who think. I think there's a vocal minority who really enjoy the game that will, like myself, every chance I get, sing its praises. But I do think a lot of people sort of missed on this game. And I guess over time, with people mentioning how good it is, maybe more and more people have come around to seeing it. But, yeah, my thoughts on the game is, Yes, there's a lot of things wrong with it, but there's a whole lot to like in this game and a whole lot of things it does that's very different than any other Freud's game out there. Yeah, um, I'd say if somebody was thinking, you know, they're on the fence about getting it, I'd say get it. It's um, With the caveat that, you know, it does still have a few, some people have some problems with crashes and bugs, but um, that's not but by no means, you know, definite uh, for everybody. But it's a game you'll get a lot of fun out of. You'll get hours and hours and hours of fun out of that because there's so many different, you know, different races. There's the different um, spell schools. There's the different character classes for your, for your, um, for your heroes. Um, there's just look, yeah, it's it's just a big, big game, and there's a lot to it. It's one of those things you can get lost in for a long time. And one of the wild things to me is just that in typical Stardock fashion, they have continued to support this game well past its like due date, right? Like well past its time where the last update was actually Halloween of last year. I mean, just six months ago, despite the fact that this game came out in like 2000, end of 2013. So six years after the fact, they have, you know, they've, they've produced a change log of engine optimizations, um, some balancing to movements, some balancing of technologies. I mean, these are things that people just wouldn't normally see from a game that's six, seven years old. And yet Stardock is continuing to like, kind of like tweak it a little bit. I have a feeling, and I remember if you guys haven't heard it, but Derek Paxson, 
who is one of the main, he was the lead developer for this game. He really had an attachment to it. And I think that's why it continues to get updated because, you know, he, he sees the diamond there. He sees the diamond in the rough that, that, you know, I think more people are coming around to seeing. So yeah. And uh, before I, I exit, before I finish off my part in, I'll have to agree with Drexy is that like, you know, it, it just didn't seem to take off in the way it should have. It was a great game that a lot of people just overlooked for a variety of maybe even understandable reasons. But, you know, it would have been something, I think, that should have gotten a lot of credit and a lot more fanfare than it did. And it's fun to see people coming around to it and being like, oh, wow, you know what? Now, in retrospect, now that we haven't had a game anything remotely like it since then, the game was actually pretty damn good. And, you know with the quirks aside with the jankiness aside i think that it remains to be one of the better forex fantasy forex games of all time i mean i'd put it up there with the likes of age of wonders 3 and master magic and i i personally would say they're better than both yeah i just i really hope we do see another uh another version of this game but uh, i know stardock is running a business and if so, I mean, they've given it some, what is it like? If you include Sorcerer Kings, there's been like five versions of this game. Though Sorcerer King is slightly different, but it's basically the same concept. Um, if not, please, if there's any people who are smarter than me, please mod this game and keep it going. <laughs> yes, please. It's, it's our This whole podcast was just one big plea to mod this game, please, and bring it back into the 20th century. Or just for Stardock to just, you know, just do the, the last little bit of polishing that the game needs. I don't think they're going to be able to do anything with the game engine at this this stage now. It sounds they had they had a developer working on it for a year, overhaul, overhauling the game engine so that it would run on modern systems properly. And they're still struggling with it, I think. But it's, it is what it is, and it's still a great game, right? So, you know, there's no excuse not to check it out. Yeah, I stand by my assertion that it's one of the best Forex games of all time, and I think that, you know, when you can look past some of the weird jankiness and some of the weird unpolished portions, you have one of the, I mean, just a game that manages to to bring tactical combat, RPG elements, and a really good 4X and somehow successfully mash them all together. And that will be a game that, I mean, for me, when I think of good 4X games, it's always up there. And it was, you know, on, when I had my little website for the 4 Explorer, it was on my leaderboard in the, like, the top three positions. So, I mean, it's just a game that I've always revered, I've always loved. And hopefully we will see a sequel one day in some form. And until then, maybe somebody with, you know, like, like Drexy said, with much more capabilities and a smarter mind can mod and maybe just tweak a bit to make it, ever so slightly better so you guys have anything else to say a quick thing and don't give us a long answer because i know you're trying to wrap up and i know you've played sorcerer king a lot more than i have out of the two which one's your favorite just don't give any reason just say which one <laughs> fallen enchantress no doubt all right we should do a we should do a podcast on um sorcerer king as well yeah i mean i think that it had some good ideas too it's funny i think stardock is really is very full of good ideas and mostly mediocre <laughs> like mediocre execution. to good yeah mediocre to good execution like i wouldn't say that they're always bad because i think fallen enchantress was in it you know finally came around to being good uh great even significantly better than most games out there but 
you know, most times they, they come up with these ideas that are just like, oh yeah, that sounds awesome. Like Sorcerer King. And then they just, they don't see it through, which bothers the shit out of me. But anyways, that's a podcast for another day. Bad on, but they do support their games for way longer than many other companies. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I agree with that. I think that I think they mostly make good games. I, d- I can't really think of any games that they made that I've got that are real stinkers. I think they just make solid games. It's just I don't think they're always appreciated. They're not always what people want. And I think part of the reason is that because they are a bit different. I mean, take Galsiv 3 for an example. Like, I don't know. I don't know why that game doesn't get more attention than it does because it's a really, really good game. I think it's just, it's just very... It's very galsive, you know, and that's kind of what I mean. They just make these weird kind of niche games that are that are not quite what people are hoping for or expecting. And yet, if you give them the time, I mean, Sorcerer King is a good example of that. It wasn't what people wanted, but it's a good game. Do you know what I mean? And uh, maybe the two don't; those two things are in conflict when you've got a business to run. Agreed. And I think maybe there's a there's an entire podcast episode there for Stardock somewhere <laughs> we can we can talk about their their successes and their failures and just figure out why the hell they they seem to have both so anyways guys thanks for joining me tonight this was a great conversation about one of the best games i think was ever made and i know that there are people out there that agree with me you know i i would love to have a, a, a longer discussion maybe even bringing brad on about what Stardock has done right and wrong and maybe like just pick his brain a bit but thanks again guys it was good to see you good to hear from you and until next time this was rob ben and drexy for explominate we will talk to you guys soon see you later bye bye